Well, Happy New Year, everyone. So good to see you. I want to welcome you this morning. You know, not only do we have people joining us here, but we have people around the world. Uganda, Turlock, Bakersfield, Phoenix, Fairfield, Kerrville, Texas, Edwards, Colorado, Stockton, Fayetteville, man, Sweden, Portland, Lake Tahoe. Can you welcome all of your church family that's joining us? Wow, we're so glad you're with us today. You know, as we get started, let me just tell you about a couple things. First of all, will you pull this booklet out? You should have received that when you came in. Together for the kingdom. You know, we're going to be talking about the word together all year. That's our theme this year. And we're going into seven days of fasting and prayer. Now, some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought we were doing 21 days. Well, we're doing it this year a little different. We're kind of compacting it all down to seven days. Sometimes people get a little intimidated with 21 days. I don't know if I can do that. Well, how many know that seven days we can do about anything? And so I want to challenge you to get involved and be a part of our time of fasting and prayer for the next seven days. Now, here's the thing. I want to show you that this booklet is is a great tool because inside here there's a page that talks about fasting and prayer. tells you different things you can fast, different types of fasts that there are. Not only that, every day there's an area that you can pray together with our church family. And if, for instance, you go to work and you forget your prayer book, guess what? There's another way you can still follow along. If you look at the screen here um, and you go to Higher Vision, you can go to higherVision.church. You can see right there on the top of the um, page, put in higherVision.church and it'll pull up our church website. When it pulls up the website, you'll see some banners on the top and the second banner that comes up is going to be one that shows you about prayer. You can see together, click here. And when you click on that page right there, all you got to do is scroll down. And as you scroll down, first of all, there's a letter that I've written that gives the theme for the year, a theme for the prayer time. And as you go a little farther, every single day, there is a focus, a devotional for you to go through and also an area that you can pray on. So take the booklets or if you don't have the booklet, you can get it on your phone by going to the website or doing it on your computer at the job or whatever when you're on break. So join us for this time of prayer. Let me give this to you, Sean, if you would. So join us for prayer, follow along and pray with us. And then of course, come to the prayer event Friday. It goes from Friday um, at two o'clock all the way until Saturday at two. Is that correct, Jenny? Two to two or is it three to three? Yes. Okay. So it starts. And let me just say this whole room will be transformed. There's going to be stations everywhere. You're going to go from station to station. You might say, gosh, pray for an hour. I don't know if I can do that. I promise you, if you go through it, it's amazing how an hour goes by like that. So we're going to have time for 24 hours to pray together. And then, of course, we're going to end the whole week with the outpouring Sunday night. We're going to have this massive ministry time, time of prayer together, pray corporately. It's going to be awesome. And then, of course, our midweek groups and circles all start up this week. And so join one of those. And they're going to be focusing on prayer as well. So we're going to be praying together as a church family. You know, I'm excited because we're starting a new series today called Together in prayer, but really the theme for the series is called together. Everybody say together. I want to show you a couple verses that are our theme verses for the year. Let's go to, to uh, Philippians chapter one, verse 27. And it says standing together with one spirit and one purpose fighting together for the faith. There's something about this power of together, fighting together, standing together. In fact, When it means fighting together, it doesn't mean fighting each other. It means standing together and fighting for a common cause or purpose. There's a verse that also is really a theme verse for us this year, and it's found in Philippians, or I'm sorry, Psalms chapter 133. It's verses 1 through 3, which says this. It says, Behold, 
how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the beard or the head running down the beard of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest down running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I think there's one idea in Scripture that is probably underappreciated or undervalued more than any other concept, and it's this. The principle of unity or being together. You know, I believe we're living in the most divided time that maybe we've ever lived in. Homes are more divided than they've ever been. Divorce rates are skyrocketing. People are having multiple divorces, multiple situations where homes are being shattered. We have race relationships in our country that are more divided, really, than they've been in a long time. We have, as a nation, a nation that's more divided in a lot of ways than it's ever been in in many years. And we live in a time where there is this push almost for us all to, to, to fragment rather than coming together. And if there were ever a time that the church needs to stand up and lead the way, it's right now. And I think one of the greatest ways that you and I can lead the way as the church is to show the world how to be together. Because we just read a moment ago that it's when we're together in unity that there's an anointing. It talks about the oil on on the, the garment, right? And on the beard of Aaron. So there's an anointing. The anointing is the authority and the power to fulfill your purpose. So we need the anointing. Not only that, it talks about how the, that it's like the, the dew on Mount Hermon on Zion, right? Which is the dew was refreshing. It, it caused things to grow. How many of you know that we need to be in a season of God's refreshing and we need to grow? And then we learn that it also says that where people are together, God has commanded the blessing. How many want to be there where God has commanded the blessing? Well, the way that happens is when we stand together. So you're going to hear all along, all year long, but especially during this series, every week we're going to talk about together. And every week there's going to be a different focus. This week we're focusing on prayer because we're in seven days of fasting and prayer. So our message is together in prayer. And I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we, we hear our verse that's going to lead us into this message today on prayer. Matthew chapter 18, and this is a couple verses that talk about really being together. And I want to invite you to say it with me. Let's speak the word of God. There's something powerful about declaring God's word. Those of you joining us online, why don't you stand and do the same? Let's read it. Matthew 18. Here's what it says. I also tell you this. That's Jesus speaking, by the way. Let's continue on. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask... My Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. You know, this passage talks about prayer and about being together. So I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we know that you're already here because we gathered together in the name of Jesus as followers of Christ. And I pray that our hearts would be opened to hear and receive the truth, the power, the transformation that you have for our 2017. So speak to us. Speak through me. Have your way. Move powerfully in this place. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Chris. 
together in prayer. We're going to look at a passage today. We're going to work through that passage and we're going to learn the power of together. And I want to give you point number one. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Now, by the way, you can always go to YouVersion, which is a Bible app for free on your phone. And if you pull up YouVersion and you go to live event and go to higher and look up Higher Vision Church in California, all these notes are there for you. So you don't even have to write them down. All right, let's go to point number one. Point number one is simply pray together. Everybody say pray together. Let's look at where we get that found and we find it in Matthew chapter 18. Here's what it says. I also tell you this. These are the words of Jesus. And I want you to underline that because we're going to go back to it. Jesus says, I want to, I want to also tell you this. So pay attention. If two of you, not one, but two together, praying together, pray together. If two of you ask, here's what he says. My father will do it. How many want to see God do powerful things in prayer in your life? Well, if you're going to see that happen, you got to pray together. Now, in life, there's a lot of things we can do alone, right? I mean, there's a lot of things you can do in life alone. But there are a lot of things in life you can't do alone. And as I meditated and thought about that, I found this little video that I thought you might see because it's important for you to understand there are some things in life you can't do alone. Take a look at this. There are some things in life you can't do alone, like have a party, wrestle, have a sack race. Step aside, fools, I got this. I got it. I have it. Yeah, yeah. Play Marco Polo. Marco. Fish out of water. Ride a teeter totter. <laughs> Get engaged. Will you marry me? Yes! Move a heavy, awkward piece of furniture. Or water ski. Something should not be attempted. Without the help of others. You know, it's interesting in that thing is, is we see that there are things in life you don't do alone. But can I tell you one of the principles I think Jesus is trying to tell us? And that is, don't pray alone. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Jerry. Doesn't Jesus say himself that we're to go into our prayer closet and go to our Father in heaven because he's there? Yes, he does say that, that, that we should do that. But he also tells us, because if you'll notice, this isn't just some idea that one of the you know, disciples or apostles share in one of the you know, um, letters that's written in one of the epistles. No, Jesus says, oh, by the way, also, I'm wanting you to know the big cheese, the main guy, the head boss that I'm telling you, don't pray alone. Pray together. In fact, in this passage, which talks to us about the power of prayer and how that God will answer his people, it begins with the concept of don't only pray alone, pray together. Everybody say pray together. Now, as I begin to meditate on this verse, and we're going to break this verse down, it it made me think of a passage that talks about prayer that, that oftentimes is used when we preach on prayer. And it's found in James. I want to go there. James chapter five. Let's take a look at it for a second. It says this. It says, confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. How many have heard that verse before? All right. And if you haven't, you have heard this one. Then it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. How many have heard that that prayer? Or maybe you've heard it this way. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How many have heard that verse, right? That's a verse that we've heard preached on. And when people preach on it, here's kind of the focus. Now, they usually focus on the first part. The earnest prayer is powerful and effective. Now, here's what's interesting. Let me ask, how many of you grew up in more of a Pentecostal or charismatic background? Let me see your hand. Raise it up. All right. I figured there'd be a higher percentage because this is the later service. And the Pentecostals always come to the later service. All right. How many, how many of you didn't, how many of you didn't come from a charismatic background? Let me see your hand. Okay. Awesome. You put your hand down. Now, the word earnest there, it's an interesting word in Greek because here's what it means. It means hot, fiery, fervent, and active. So a lot of people, when they preach on prayer, they say, listen, if you want to have powerful and effective prayers, you got to be an earnest prayer. In other words, you got to have fervent fire. And I, when I grew up in a Pentecostal background, going to a prayer meeting with my dad and with people from our church, it was, you know, it was something because you'd, you know, you'd get ready to pray. And as soon as they'd say, let's pray, suddenly everybody had their preacher voice. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And they start praying. They're like, dear God in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus. Aha, that you're in them. And they had their Pentecostal hiccups going. I mean, they were praying with passion and fire. And now imagine this Pentecostal kid that grew up with fervent prayers. When I went to college to a Christian school that was Mennonite brethren. <laughs> and I showed up in my first prayer circle. And we sat down for prayer and the leader of the prayer said, okay, we're going to take some time to pray for our school and for the semester. So let's begin. Let's join hands. And we joined hands and I didn't know any better. So I'm like, dear God in heaven, I pray and open my eyes. And everyone's like, because the Bible says the earnest, fiery, fervent prayer of a righteous person produces wonderful results. I didn't know about conversational prayer really at that time. So I learned that it was, you know, it was different there. When we pray, we'd join hands and one person would say, oh, Lord. And they would pray their prayer and then someone would jump in and have a conversation in their prayer and popcorn prayer. They'd pray their part and, you know, not nobody was really real fiery, but everybody was praying. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're fiery or you're more, you know, uh, quiet in your prayer, but. What the Bible does say is that earnest or fervent prayer is powerful and effective. So sometimes people, when they're preaching, that's what their focus is. A lot of times also they'll focus on a righteous person. The Bible says in, in um, the scripture in John chapter 9, Jesus says that the sinner will not be heard by God. But the righteous, basically, those who do the will of God, he will listen to their prayers. So sometimes we focus on prayer and we say, well, if we want to see effective prayer, and how many want to have effective prayers? Well, then we focus on, well, then what we got to do is if we're, you know, righteous and we're, we're cleaning out the, the sin in our lives and we're trying to honor the Lord and do his will, that's the way he hears our prayer. So we're going to be passionate and we're going to, you know, walk in the righteousness of Christ and that's the way it happens. But what we don't realize is that this prayer is set in a context and we just read the part right before it. Let's go back to that. Guys, can you go back one slide? Because if you go back one slide, 
the, the scripture says, confess your sin to each other. In fact, let me give you the context before that. Before that, here's what, here's what James says. James says, oh, by the way, I don't want you to complain about each other. When you get together, don't complain about each other. And then he goes on to say, and by the way, if you're sick, don't pray alone. Call the elders of the church to come and pray with you. Because when they pray for you, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Oh, and then by the way, since you're praying together, not alone, then confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you may be healed because if you'll pray together and not pray alone, you'll have powerful and effective prayers. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't, don't only pray alone. Maybe that's the best way to say it because there's something powerful about praying together. Point number one is pray together. Let's go to point number two. Y'all with me? Say amen. Point number two is pray together with agreement. Pray together with agreement. Let's take a look at what the passage says. Now, I love this passage because a lot of people focus on this verse when they're talking about prayer, and I have as well. But the Lord gave me some, uh, some insight into this verse because there's a lot of confusion about this verse. It says, if two of you, what's the next word? If two of you agree concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. Now, this verse, when people hear it, they're like, sweet, I love that verse. So if I can just find someone to agree with me about what I want, God has to do it. And then you try it, and the prayer sometimes doesn't get answered. Anybody been there? Only three of you. Wow, the rest of you, you figured it out. I'm so thankful. But when we, we dive into this verse, there's a lot of, of, of context, there's a lot of insight that's there that I think we need to understand. Because I don't think that what Jesus is saying simply is just that if you can find someone to agree with you on what you want, God's going to do it. Now let me stop and say, I believe in the power of agreement. And I believe that we need to make lists and we need to, to pray for specific things. And, but there's a lot that goes to answered prayer. Some of it has to do with persistence. Some of it has to do with praying according to the will of God, right? That, that's what the scripture says. Some, the, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss because you consume it upon your lust. In other words, it's just something you want to consume. And it, it's not filtered through the context of God's purpose and God's will. But if you pray according to the will of God, God says it'll happen. There's so much to prayer that we can't go into today. But what we can do is focus on agreement. And what does he mean when he say you need to agree? Because if you agree, you'll see the answer. Well, first of all, let's define what the word agreement means. It's interesting because the word agree in, in the Greek... The first definition means to be in harmony or to harmonize with. It's a word which our word symphony comes from. So harmony, the way it works, is if you go to an instrument or an instrument can play multiple notes, then you have the intervals between the notes in such a way that they work with each other to make a harmonious, symphonious sound. So if I'm going to play a chord, a one, three, and a five chord... This is harmonious. That's called harmony. This is called dissonance. Harmonious, good. Dissonance, bad. Right? Harmonious sounds good. 
Dissonance sounds bad. So let's stop back now and talk about together, right? When you agree. And, and it's, isn't it interesting? Have you ever gone to someone's home and they're a married couple, but they're not in a lot of harmony. There's a lot of conflict and dissonance and the atmosphere wasn't good, but it was tense and it was bad. And you decided we're not staying for dessert. That's why the Bible says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. When we're together in unity, there is a pleasantness. There is a a, a beauty about that experience. And what's interesting is the Bible says that when we are going to pray, we need to pray together. But when we're together, there's got to be symphony. There's got to be harmony, right? There's got to be agreement. That's what one part of the word means. The other, the other definition of the word, it means this. It means an agreement or a contract that everyone is in agreement with. So for instance, when we went to, to move into this building, and this whole story of this building is a miracle, and I love to tell it because we shouldn't be here, but God opened a door and made a way for us. When we started the process, there was basically an agreement that was made. We verbally got together and said, this is what we're going to do. This, they said, this is what the price is going to be. These are the, the, these, this is the kind of the, the, the nuggets of the deal, the, the nuts and bolts of the deal. So once we agreed, then started the process where they had their lawyers sit down and draw up a contract. And once they drew up their contract, they sent the contract to us. And then we got the contract and I started reading through the contract and I said, hmm, I like all of this, but I don't like this paragraph. And, and I don't like this paragraph because this says that the, the, the roof, we have to maintain the roof, but this building is their building, so they should maintain the roof. So I X'd that out and I said, this is what I want. And, and so I X'd things out and I changed words and had our lawyer look at it. And once we did all of that, then we sent it back to them. And then when they got their part, they went through and they knocked some things off and they said, okay, we get the roof thing, so we'll do the roof thing, but we want this paragraph, but we'll accommodate this. And when the whole process was done, we had an agreement. And the agreement was such that we both had gone through the process. And here's what the word agreement means. It's really kind of a cool definition. It means to achieve harmony of opinion, feeling, and purpose. So when the whole thing was done, here's the deal. Everybody was committed legally to each other. It wasn't all perfect. We didn't agree on everything, but we were committed to this contract. The Bible says that if two or three agree, that's the word. Now, Many times we, we try to, well, if I find someone that can come into an agreement, we could even drop a contract. If we drop a contract, then God has to do it. Well, what is God really saying? And as I begin to pray about this verse and begin to think about this, it's interesting because Jesus gives us this verse in a, a very interesting place in Scripture. Because when you look at this verse about prayer, it's set in the context of something else. If we go back to the verse in front of it, and we read some of the, the passage before it. Here's basically what happens. Jesus starts to tell his disciples, hey, sometimes there is conflict and people can't get together. 
Sometimes even someone will do something wrong and terrible. So here's what you do. You go to them and you say, hey, I want to I want to reconcile. You need to see what you've done. And they try to do that. And if it doesn't work, then bring a brother from the church with you and go to them. And then if after doing that, if this person who's sinned or done something wrong, if there can't be reconciliation because there's been, you know, they've been fractured, then the church should gather together. They should pray about it, make a decision. And if they need to excommunicate this person, until they come to their senses, and then they can do that. And then Jesus says at the end of this process about people being disjointed and not together, then he says, so here's the deal. Whatever, once you've gone through that process, whatever you, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. In other words, the things that you do on earth are going to have an impact on the heavens. And didn't we just read in prayer that if we'll get in the right position or the things are are right on earth, that our father in heaven will hear and he'll answer, right? So so Jesus says now, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So what he's saying is, listen, what we just talked about, you have the ability to bind. It's going to happen. And then when he finishes this dialogue, it's almost as if he goes, has kind of a Scooby-Doo moment. Anybody ever had a Scooby-Doo moment? Uh-huh. Reggie, right? It's like he goes, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Since we're talking about binding, I will also tell you, his, that's his words, about prayer. Because this relates to prayer. And Jesus kind of goes, this is, this is what I believe the passage is saying. Jesus goes, wait a minute. This relates to prayer. This would be a great thing for me to use to come out of to set up a talking about prayer. So when you pray, if you will agree. Now, here's what's interesting. The word bind is a a word. I'd like Pastor Chip and Pastor James to come on up. Would you give a hand to our lovely assistants here? So you have two parties and the word bind. Here's what it means. Why don't you guys wrap that around you? The word bind means, it's a Greek word which means to tie. So why don't you guys tie that up and make it, you tie it. So it means to tie together. Whatever you bind. Now, here's the deal about when when you're tied or you're bound. James might want to go over there, but he can't without taking him with him. He can't go over there. They have to be together, right? So now Jesus is talking about a passage where people are fragmented and not together. You guys are ruining my point. Come on now. So Jesus is saying, listen, people are fragmented. We got to learn how to bring them together. And if we'll learn to bind things together, it'll affect heaven. And then suddenly he goes, oh, and by the way, since we're talking about that idea, let's talk about prayer. Because if you agree in harmony, if you'll commit to being together in purpose, then your father in heaven will hear you and he will answer your request. Now, let's give them all a big hand. They did a good job, didn't they? So the point I want to simply make is this, is maybe what Jesus is trying to say when he's talking about prayer is that prayer having powerful results isn't about the what, it's about the where. Let me say that again, because that went right over your head. Prayer isn't about the what, 
It's about the where. It's about the commitment to say, I am committed to a circle. I'm committed to a church. I'm committed to pray with others. Even if their approach, even if they want the roof to have a, uh, uh, to be maintained by somebody else, even if I don't agree exactly with the way they think theologically, even if they've offended me and done something wrong, even if I've had a problem in my life, it doesn't matter because I'm not going to hop in when I need it and hop out when I don't. I'm not just going to hop in when I want something. I'm committing to aware. I'm committing to a connection, a relationship, a commitment, and there's power when we're together. And when we're together, that's when God hears from heaven and he answers our prayer. It's not about the what. It's about the where. And a lot of times our prayers don't see powerful results. We read it in James. Because we're praying alone. Or we're only finding someone to agree with us so we can get what we want. Maybe what we really, really need to do is commit to relationship and find some people. You know, I have some people in my life. You know, our staff, we pray together every week. I have people that I can call when I'm struggling, pray with. But I also have a group of men that every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. It's been going for... Five years, six years now. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m., we gather together. And we have lists, and God has answered those lists. This building is an answer that we checked off the list of prayer that we prayed. But you know what? We don't gather for the list because it's not about the what. It's about the where. It's about the if we agree, if we're committed to one another. And I want to challenge you. Strengthen the power of your prayer by praying together with agreement. Pastor, I got hurt the last time I was in a circle. Someone said something and hurt my feelings. Wait a minute. Are you in a contract? Or do you just do things out of convenience? Well, wait a minute. They believe a little different than I do. I mean, they believe in eternal security that we're saved and always saved. We can never lose our salvation. I believe that, that, you know, that you can walk away. And what what do we do there? I'm like, are you in a contract? Or are you in there for convenience? If we'll pray together, if we'll agree, it's not about the what. It's about the where. That's good preaching. Amen, Pastor Jerry. Woo, preach it. So point number one is pray together. Point number two is pray together with agreement. Didn't this bring this whole verse to a whole other level for us? It shows us the, the complexity and the richness of, of God's truth. Here's the last thing is we pray together in God's presence. So pray together, pray in agreement, and pray in God's presence. Let's read the next part of the verse. <laughs> it simply says this. Where two or three gather together. You need to underline those. Gather together as my followers. Some translations say in my name. So in other words, we haven't just got together because we like a certain football team. There's nothing wrong with that. We haven't just got together because our kids are the same age and they need a play date. And we haven't just got together because of, you know, the, the, our team lost and we're depressed. 
Which, by the way, if you want to go to lunch, my team lost. We've got together in the circle because of his name. Because of Jesus. We're followers of Christ. Whenever two or three gather together as my followers, look what the scripture says. I am there among them. See, what that means, the word gather together is a Hebrew word that's pretty powerful. And the word gather together means this. It means to be or to exist, to live, and then it, it means location. So when it says, I gather together, and we're talking about agreement, literally what that means is you're saying, I don't want to just hop in to relationship. I don't just hop in to the circle when it's convenient or when I feel like it, when I'm all charged up because it's the first of the year and I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to go to church, right? I'm going to commit to live, to exist, to a location. And where's that location? Together. And here's what God says. And when you do that, God says, I'm going to get in the middle of it. Have you been waiting for God to get in the middle of your prayers? Maybe you've been waiting for God to get in the middle of your prayer that that wayward child's going to come back. Maybe you've been waiting for God to get in the middle of that prayer for your new company that you're trying to get going and you're struggling. Maybe you're waiting for God to get in the middle of the prayer that God will heal your marriage. And what God is looking at down from heaven, I believe, and saying is he's looking at us and he's saying, I want to get right next to you, but I can't get right next to you really with the power that is available to you until you get next to somebody else. I can't get next to you till you get next to someone else. I can't get in the middle until you get in a circle. Because a row doesn't have a middle. But a circle has a middle. A circle has a middle where you can be in the middle and be equidistant from everyone. Could it be that this passage is teaching us that the way that the Father in heaven is going to answer our prayers is when you and I quit living in rows, quit praying in rows, quit praying alone, and we say, God, I'm going to commit a contract. Even when someone bugs the fire out of me, even when I disagree, even when things aren't perfect, even when I'm discouraged, I'm going to commit that contract, that agreement. I'm going to get in a circle. I'm not going to pray alone because prayer isn't about the what. Prayer is about the where. I don't know about you. Listen to me. This is, this is transformational teaching. Hear me. This is transformational teaching. I don't, honestly, I don't stand up in front of our congregation and ever feel like, I, I always go home and critique myself to death, just so you know. 
And my kids always say, Dad, stop it. You, it was great. The message was great. And so I'm like, I just want to do my best. I want God to speak through me. And I'm standing here today and I'm telling you with boldness that the Lord is speaking through me. And you, if you want to grow, if you want your prayers to go to the next level, quit living outside the circle. Pray together. This is transformational. Don't pray alone. I want you to close your eyes.